0: Hey guys, I'm so glad you're joining me for this very special episode on affairs with Dr. Alexandra Solomon. I am so honored to have this teacher therapist author on with us today. She has been featured absolutely everywhere, New York Times, Vogue Magazine, Scientific American, the Today Show, CNBC, you name it. She's a therapist, professor, speaker, and author, and she is one of the top couples leaders in the world. So truly honored to have her expertise, her wisdom with us as we flesh out today's together, how couples can walk through their lives together before hopefully before but even during or after an affair especially that's what this episode is about and we want you to have all the support i also am leaving you with one of her resources at the end so that you can really walk through some training with building trust back up and she has more information on her website she'll tell you about too but really just join us in this conversation as we both say during the episode make sure that if it's triggering for you in any way that you take some time to just sit to breathe, to listen to the episode later if you've picked up on something that's too much for you to carry into your day. But we don't want you to leave it. If you need the episode, come back to it when you're ready and take it in small bits if you need to because this is an episode that could truly change the trajectory of your lives, your marriage, as we talk about the story of your marriage, the story behind the affair. Make sure you take that in too and make sure you do your work. So even for you to be listening to this episode, I'm so proud of you. I'm so grateful for you on the journey, and I hope you enjoy it just as much as I enjoy thoughtfully processing this really important marriage topic too. So let's tune right in to this conversation with Dr. Solomon. I am so happy to have you on the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, Dr. Alexandra. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It is totally my pleasure. I have looked up to you in the couples world and just your podcast is phenomenal. And I can't think of a better person to talk with us about extramarital affairs today. So thank you so much. You are welcome. Yes. And I'm so grateful that you also took the Enneagram test. So we want to hear a little bit about you, your family, maybe even your Enneagram types.
1: Yes. So I can't believe that I've been in this field as long as I have been. And I never, I have not done my Enneagram. So it was a wonderful excuse to do it. Awesome. am um, <laughs> And then right and I was just telling you before we started that not only did I enjoy doing it but then I had my uh, I asked my husband Todd to do it and our 17-year-old daughter Courtney also did it. So now we we now we can just unpack the entire darn family system.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness and this by the way goes to so many layers. So when you unpack you're going to be unpacking so many layers of an onion. It is so much fun all the mind, body, heart, head different ways you're going to look at each other. It's so cool. So I'm very excited for you guys on the journey.
1: What are your types? <laughs> okay. So I am a, I'm a, um, Enneagram three. Do you say three wing two? Is that yeah. how you say it? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I'm a three wing two. And it was so, as I was taking it, it was so actually all three of us commented the same thing that when we were taking it, it just felt like obvious capital T truth. Like as I was taking it, I was like, how could anyone answer these questions any differently than I am? Like it just felt <laughs> like it was, they felt so mm-hmm. accurate and so mm-hmm. obvious. And like, but this is just how the world works. This, this is not something unique about me. <laughs> it's <was> so funny.
0: <laughs> that is so funny. And that's why I love to bring it to marriage work with my clinical background, because the nuances in the Enneagram have helped my husband and I and countless couples to be able mm-hmm. to say, oh, what you were saying about me all these years was right. <laughs> I thought everyone was like me. Yes, <laughs> so I love that. Yeah.
1: And it was really sweet that um, we each took the test and then we each predicted each other's answers. And I knew like, I knew exactly what my daughter's type was going to be. And I knew exactly what Todd's type was going to be. Oh my gosh. And they both, and they both. Uh, yeah. And they had a pretty. What easy are, time yeah. What it. are their types? Okay. So Todd is a nine um, with Whoa. a wing one. And then Courtney, Courtney's a seven. And I was wondering if, you know, it just, it, it feels very much, I don't think that she would have been, a seven, a few years ago. And mm-hmm. I think that maybe speaks to adolescent development. Like I think she has moved from somebody who, what's the one where you kind of crave safety and security? Six. 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 Mm-hmm. I would guess that if we had talked to her, if she had done it when she was 13 or 14, she would have been a six and that mm-hmm. she's now a seven. And I don't know, it'll be interesting I don't know if there's research around whether adolescents kind of shift. There's such a time of profound,
0: mm-hmm. you know, really?
1: reorganization of self and relationship mm-hmm. that I don't. But she's she's a hard seven right now. That landed yeah. real deep. She is craving. Yeah. She's yeah. craving sensation and novelty yeah. and pleasure and fun. Um, so that's that definitely captures her.
0: And I love how you're also capturing the adolescent season and the development in these pieces because, yes, yeah, sometimes it's like as Leslie Hirschberger, uh, an Enneagram guru from many years, sat on a few episodes ago. Scratch a seven, you get a six. Scratch a five, you get a six because those three make up the thinking triad. But then you're also capitalizing on the fact that seven, you know, being an adolescent is very Peter Pan seven. So it's Mm -hmm. interesting as you watch her develop. And that's why people tend to not do younger kids too much. So uh, Mm -hmm. I love that you guys are at the stage where it's time. It's time to start looking at this and to see this. I also love how as a three wing two, you're part of the heart triad. So you understanding others emotions is very expected. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think I would do as well as that in the thinking triad. So it's neat that you could, you could see people so well into their, mm-hmm. into their hearts. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is this, is the three part of the thinking triad? Well, you have links to all three triads as a three. So you have relationship to six and nine. So you would, if you were in health as a three, your first move would be to say, I need to take a pause here and spend some time in my six regrouping with friendships, with loyalty, with Troubleshooting with rest, as well as in the nine space. And that's Mm -hmm. the space that your husband's in. That's very attractive to you because. Uh, there's a peaceful quality to that so that as the threes running really hard and achieving, they can stop over at nine and rest and see all perspectives. And instead of just speaking the truth, now they're speaking the truth in love. So that's really the inner track of the three is going from three, six, nine and trying to balance out. We used to think of it in terms of like, do this one in health, this one in stress. And we're learning it's a bit more of a, you really need to have the pistons going in all directions.
1: Mm-hmm. What stood out to me most in terms of our marital dynamic between me as a three and Todd as a nine mm-hmm. is that he really, I, he really, especially like late, you know, our marriage has like all marriages has evolved over time. So there was a long chapter when we had little kids where mm-hmm. I was really grounded at home mm-hmm. and not doing, I mean, I think I I've sought, I sought quite a bit of validation from Todd in my role at home. Mm -hmm. Um, But now, you know, in this phase of my career, as I'm expanding, and I'm quite public facing at this point, Mm -hmm. a lot of my sort of like need for validation and affirmation is, you know, sort of in that work, like that works really well, like that give and that exchange around being public facing. But it means that Todd's kind of like, don't rock the boat, keep it simple, peacemaker vibe is very helpful, right? So he You know, even last night, we were going to watch a TV show at nine, but I was, you know, busting my ass until 11 and he just (laughs) kind of, you know, like whatever, watched another show and waited for me. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, this is the three and the nine dynamic happening right here and now.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm going to send you my pairing guide on the three and the nine. Um, We call that one posh peacemakers. And it's really, um, that's fun and cutesy, but truly there's a huge dynamic at play that we really think that when each type pairing comes together, they glow bright when they find their stride. And then they also have a shadow place together. Um, and my first couple I ever worked with was a three, nine couple on Enneagram. And just, and in fact, we walked through an affair and it was yeah. really powerful to have this in our corner as a tool mm-hmm. because of what we were gonna be talking about today, just all the different stages. So it makes me happy that, you have this as an additional tool for your marriage as you're seeing the dance you do. And I love how, like you're saying, after so many permutations of your own marriage, you know how to do the dance. Well, it's mm-hmm. not perfect, but you're doing it well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's beautiful because you guys have been married for over 20 years like us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh huh. Yeah. <gasps> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. And just love that your daughter is getting this tool as a thinking type um, young so that she can really learn about, you know, who she is and how
1: to thrive. So beautiful. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's really exciting. It's just one of those. I don't know. It's one of those. I certainly have known what Enneagram is for a long time, It's something I just really haven't. I don't, it's yeah. not, well, it just hasn't really been part of, part of my world, but what I love so, I mean, I love, um, very into language and frameworks. I think it's so helpful with um, students and with clients. So I'm already thinking about how I can work Enneagram into my Marriage 101 class at Northwestern. So thank oh. you. Thank you. I mean, if we hadn't done this podcast, I wouldn't have, uh, you know, kind of <sighs> dove in at this point.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, any resources you need, I'm going to give you my website and that booklet so you can just run with it. And then, of course, we are here for you today. We are going to learn so much. So Thank you. You are talking with us about the all-important topic of extramarital affairs, and we really want to know what your thoughts are on what causes mm-hmm. an affair, what what really leads mm-hmm. people down that path. And I know that's a huge question to unpack, mm-hmm. but
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a great place to start, right? It's sort of mm-hmm. like the, the why. And it's such a difficult, I think it's one of the hardest, um, one, one of the hardest things to talk about because it, ter- because those of us who have not experienced it firsthand are terrified about it happening. And those of us who have experienced it firsthand know deeply and intimately the pain. So it's just a really tender topic. So I hope that as we talk it through today, you know, that your community can press pause when they need to step away when they need to, right? Like notice their own reactions, like moments during our conversation where they want to lean in and they feel really heard and understood and other moments where they want to bristle and argue and give me the business about
0: what I'm saying.
1: So I hope that we will, I think that one of the things I really strive for in this kind of conversation is finding, you know, roomy, The um, ancient Sufi poet talks about that space beyond right doing and wrong doing. And I think when we're talking about infidelity, we've got to find that space between right doing and wrong doing where we honor complexity and we try really hard to hold both the pain and the context because infidelity happens within a context. And that's not about victim blaming because the person who has been cheated on you know, has been hurt, has been betrayed. That is really real. Mm -hmm. And at some point in a couple's healing journey, we do move from the kind of like triage crisis management Mm -hmm. to a wider look at where were the fault lines in this relationship? Where were people Mm -hmm. vulnerable? Why why was this able to happen, you know, in this context and at this time? Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. And thank you for giving our audience
0: context and safety and permission to pause. We do a lot of pausing together here because we understand these deep instinctual responses can really take us down and just take us right out of processing this. And when you remind us that there's a story, I'm even thinking of Viktor Frankl's logo therapy, that when we get to the story, there's a lot of healing. And I think that's why I've been so attracted mm-hmm. to your podcast is you bring story in and you bring you fill in the black and white with, with the color so that we can learn and grow together. So mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. so happy about that. As we talk about affairs, you might even tell us if there's a, a shift you see culturally between couples you've seen in the past to now, because I know there's so many complexities with online dating and, and all of that.
1: Right. Yeah. And we didn't, yeah, I, I'm aware, Chris, I did not answer the question of why. Does it yeah. <laughs> so I gave, yeah, was I what? sort of yeah. did my, yeah. Um, okay. So we got to talk about the, why does it happen? And then how has it changed? The, mm-hmm. so, you know, I think, the, the bottom line with the, the why, I think that very often, I mean, certainly there are times when the why is that the person who's cheating is, you know, like um, doing it from a place of absolute absence of empathy, right? That they do, there really is an intention to hurt the other person. There really is a kind of like to the bone narcissism that is just like, I am entitled to do what I want, when I want, how I want your feelings be the end. Like there certainly is a subset of folks where that's what's happening. The vast majority of people I have sat with, and I'm sure this is the same for you. Mm-hmm. The person who has cheated feels like, how the hell did that happen? Like, how did I end up here? Like yeah. it ends up being the cheating mm-hmm. while there may have been certainly some joy or some pleasure, Mm-hmm. or at least some respite. There is a deep sense also of shame and confusion of like, how did I end up here? So that, that why, the, and, the, and that sort of like, why me? Why did I do this? How could I have done this? That often involves us excavating into wounds that very often predate the marriage itself. Mm -hmm. So while, while infidelity is deeply personal, it is something that I do behind my partner's back that profoundly impacts my partner. It is in that way about my partner. In some ways it is about my own misguided attempt to reckon with something that I brought into this marriage that I didn't Mm -hmm. deal with appropriately. And we know the stuff we don't deal with, the stuff we don't heal, it comes out sideways And it sometimes comes out like a bomb, right? Blowing Mm. things up. Mm. So the why very often has to do with old stuff, oftentimes family of origin stuff Mm -hmm. that I wasn't able to turn to you with or I wasn't able to tend to within myself. Mm.
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense. And in Enneagram circles, we talk a lot about the self-preserving, the sexual and the social component to a person. And we even offer that when we say, I'm a three-winged 2 social or sexual or self president And we even offer a sequence and it reminds us, I think in the Enneagram community that as we look back and we talk a lot about family stories and why we have these propensities from our family mm-hmm. of origins, because maybe we had starvation or there was enslavement. And, and what I love that you're reminding our audience who are uh, some of them just clicking this particular podcast out of all of them, because it's about affairs they need to know that history so thank mm-hmm. you for helping us to see that that's huge and it didn't just start in this microcosm vacuum of
1: this marriage right
0: most, right, 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 right
1: right right and it doesn't it doesn't make it okay it's not an excuse it's not like my you know my mom was uh, addicted to mm-hmm. alcohol and not there for me and that made it okay it doesn't it's not about making it okay it's yeah. about it's about that is that is the work that's where we have to go in order to heal and certainly if a couple if a couple is going to stay together and rebuild after infidelity mm-hmm. then the person who cheated being willing to do that deep like reckoning of their own wounds of their own story that will prevent future damage and that will help them show up more fully in the marriage but mm-hmm. even if the marriage ends right that is the work that it will help the person who's been cheated on understand, listen, this happened mm. to me, but it wasn't 100% about me. And it will help them in their journey to kind of heal and, and reconcile and move on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That is a beautiful reminder that it doesn't just help the person to say, hey, maybe you're not a complete villain, but it also helps uh, the spouse to say, maybe you're not a complete villain because we both know they're going to go through all kinds of grief moments, both of them. Mm-hmm. I'm the worst, you're the worst. And so just to be able to say, putting this in context, there's a lot of pain and there's important important things to own up to, but but thank you for that. And, and even adding into that, I'm aware that the modern world makes it even more difficult
1: with all the dopamine hits we get from all of this, right? right? Well, that's right. That was, yeah. In terms of that question of like, kind of how has the landscape of infidelity changed? It definitely is easier than ever to cheat, right? We could be cheating while our partner is lying right next to us in bed if we are, you know, messaging somebody who's not our partner. Sort of like that, what people sometimes call micro cheating. So those, there's, there are There are more boundaries that can be crossed. There are subtler boundaries that can be crossed. And it's also easier than ever to get caught, right? So most, um, you know, it means when when a couple comes in to therapy in the wake of infidelity, it's either been discovered or it's been disclosed, right? Mm -hmm. So either um, the partner who's been cheating confesses um, or the partner who's being cheated on discovers. And when there's been a discovery, it nearly always is. They were in the shower, their phone was out, the phone lit up. And I saw, you know, so it nearly always is some way in which technology has been, Mm. um, has had a hand both in creating the affair and in creating the revelation of the affair. So that's one of the shifts. Another shift that the research shows us is that there's um, women have kind of closed the gender gap. I think that a generation ago, Mm -hmm. men were far likelier to cheat than women, likely because the consequences for her cheating were far more severe than the consequences for his cheating and that women have, you know, have approached sort of closing the gender gap on that. And then the other big shift I would just say is because we're talking more today about Consensual non monogamy or ethical non monogamy or disclosed non monogamy. I think there are ways that we're all collectively on a learning curve about understanding consensual non monogamy. And sometimes I think people are confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, infidelity. Infidelity is non-consensual, non-monogamy. So I think sometimes there are, there's a, a misunderstanding of it wasn't cheating, you know, we're open or it wasn't. So there's like the the need, the, the, the more we talk about infidelity and the more we talk about consensual non-monogamy, mm-hmm. the more we will help couples do what's really essential, which is clarify the boundaries. Mm-hmm. What are we each okay with? And so right. I love supporting couples, having those conversations of what's in bounds and what's out of bounds and why, and what are the agreements that we need to make to protect ourselves, each other and this relationship?
0: Oh, that's huge. And I think everyone needs to be brave to try to do that work because I think a lot of people, and I'm sure you've seen this too, sometimes even want to agree to something that then they realize later, cost them almost everything or did cost them everything. So sometimes in our work, we see a lot of backtracking of it was fun. It was exciting. And now we have to reestablish boundaries. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. thank you for helping us to see all these different possible permutations. What bringing clarity to that, what do you try to help couples with when they're first walking through this, they're in these white knuckling stages. They do want to do this marriage. What do you think is helpful for them to, to do first?
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, the, you know, you use that word stages and I really do think that's, that's important. And I, and I'm quite explicit about that, that we can't, as much as we, as much as I would love to wave a magic wand in session one and just make the pain go away. It's a process and we can't do everything at once. We can't do the sort of emotional first aid and the meaning making and the sexual healing and the, where do we go from here? We can't do that all at once. So we do, and stages, you know, stages are any sort of stage-based model is messy and imperfect, Mm -hmm. but as a general rule of thumb, the first order of business is just stability, Mm -hmm. like just Just helping most importantly, helping the person who's been cheated on Mm -hmm. feel as if they at least know, know what is solid under their feet, right? Because the Mm -hmm. heart of either discovery or disclosure is that like those parallel tracks of, I thought I was living in this realm. I thought this was our marriage. And now what you're telling me is this is our marriage. These sort of that sense of like, what is real? What's what? So there's that like backtracking of like, okay, wait, when you said you were in New York for business, where were you? Okay, wait, you said you were out with your friends, where were you? And so that, that work of, of helping the person find solid ground is both emotional work, right? Like naming and validating how immensely confusing this is. But it also is cognitive work, right? Like helping them understand what's like, what actually happened. And that's, that's how we find that those, Mm -hmm. at least those places of more solid ground. And that's the Mm -hmm. first order of business.
0: Mm, That grounding, just helping them to feel stability, to be able to, um, even if they're in therapy or coaching or just doing this as a listener, that's the first step. And we want them to get support with therapy and coaching. And we're going to talk about the ways you support later, but I'm really glad you're reminding people that they can't do all the work at once. This has to be first, because we're kind of at the bottom rung of Abraham Maslow's needs. (laughs) And we're like, I need to feel safe. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, you're right. And that is, so literally we are, literally, we are talking about sleep and hydration and, you know, like, like sort of crying, like just being present with like the sort of ways in which we need to be supporting both people's bodies, because very often the person who has cheated is also in a ton of pain, because they can see the impact of what they've done. So yes, I need people to be drinking water, (laughs) trying to sleep, right? Um, Sometimes it's also about like bracketing those conversations so that it's not We're talking until two, three, four in the morning, every night, right? Putting some brackets around those conversations and, and really talking explicitly about what are you each doing to care for yourself during these early, um, days and, and weeks.
0: Yes. And, and even, I love the word brackets for brackets around the pausing around the words that we say specifically too, because the words can be of course, so volatile and emergency oriented, and we can get flooded so easily. So it's so nice to be able to remind people, we understand that we get that. And we even understand sometimes you're going to need a 2 AM conversation, but, but Mm -hmm. what we're both saying here is not every night you have to start here with some safety and you're worthy of that. And I'm also hearing you say, this is going to take time. So you yep. can't do that for too long. Yep.
1: Yep. You know, very often when a couple comes in, there's, there's often there can, there can be this almost like honeymoon, mm-hmm. um, which seems mm-hmm. ironic or paradoxical, but it's like, there's just no, like we've been burned to the ground and there's just nowhere else to go. And so there can be this sense, everything is, Everything is is raw. Everything's kind of technicolor. So sometimes couples are coming in and they're having the best sex they've had in years. They're having conversations they haven't had in years. Like there's this almost like, like a kind of presence that perhaps both have been craving and neither has been experiencing. And that can feel confusing. And especially the person who's been cheated on can feel really ashamed of themselves. Like one day I want to kick him out of the house and never see him again. The other day I want to make love while staring into his eyes. Like, and so we, I just nod. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. And even just that reality testing, like that makes sense. You are all over the place and this is your attempt to try to make some sense of it. And that very real present love making, that's as real as your anger, right? Those are all just that's it's that need to hold on to competing truths, both ands. I am furious and invested. I am ashamed and connected. Like those, those are both true.
0: Oh wow. I love how you describe that. And I know that we've really seen that a lot in this realm. And then there's often this stage after that, where we kind of have to come back to, to some reality <laughs> testing. Right. And now, and now yeah. the shades are off. And like you said, that can go on and on. And these stages are uh spider webby a bit, but mm-hmm. at the same time um, it's important that I think when the spouse who's cheated, um, start dealing with limerence and these experiences of wanting to meet with the other partner that, that they have a place to talk. So I love that we're advocating therapy. What do you feel that when people are doing their meaning making and they're doing these initial high highs and low lows, what can they do when they start to feel that desire for that partner again, who's not present, but who's maybe been a bit of an addiction for them?
1: I mean, that's a tough one. It is why it's why in my ideal scenario, the -hmm. person who's cheated has both an individual, individual therapist and a couples therapist, right? Mm -hmm. Because it is, Mm -hmm. it tends to be too well, I don't, I can't think of a single time where I've certainly when I've, I've certainly been aware that -hmm. the person who's cheated is missing their affair partner or is grieving the loss of their affair partner. But that's not, you know, i can sort of hold awareness that that they're doing that work with their individual therapist they're grieving you know they're closing that up energetically but when i'm the couples therapist That's not, that's, that's much less my focus, right. Is helping the person who's cheated with that grief and loss, because I don't want the spouse, the the spouse doesn't need to be Mm -hmm. present for that. So that's, that is, that's real work. The person who's cheated very often does have to mourn the loss of the affair partner. What's difficult can be the person who cheated becoming aware that they, what they really craved in that relationship was how they looked in their affair partner's eyes, that it was maybe a bit less about the affair partner themselves Mm -hmm. and a bit more about the person they got to be in that relationship. Like, I haven't disappointed you. Mm -hmm. I haven't, you know, you and I have created this sort of magical fairy tale fantasy world together. So you don't see my failures. You don't see my, you know, whatever struggles around, work around whatever, I just present this kind of high gloss version of myself to you. So part of how the person who's cheated can let go of the affair partner, if that's been the choice they've made, is to recognize that, yes, my affair partner was a good, decent, attractive person, Mm -hmm. but it was also about the me I Got to be in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so that me is perhaps a me, hopefully a me that I can bring back into my marriage.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. And thank you for spouses who have been cheated on just hanging in with us right there. If you took a pause oh. and
1: <laughs> because you don't have an F to give about the affair partner and you right. don't have to, you don't have to have an F to give about the affair partner. Exactly. That's right.
0: exactly. And so I'm really glad that mm-hmm. we can, thank you for showing us that that's <sighs> more about that person than it even is about the third party. And so while we don't want to dishonor them as a person and they have wounds and, and I, I often see spouses get to that place where they're able to say I'm super angry, but like, I get that they're a person too. Um, like you said, it's really not about them at that point. It's nice to remind people to do some personal work around that because what I often see is people, um, bringing that back to their spouse and saying like, I want to do this work with you. And we've kind of had these high highs and low lows together, but now I need to fess up. I want to grieve this person with you and I want you to help me grieve this person. So it's almost more magical thinking right there that your spouse could not only walk through their own hurts about the affair, but also walk you through your grief process. So thank you for just yeah. saying, nope. invest in this time with a helper, right?
1: Yeah. 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 Nope. take that somewhere. Take that somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes the person who's cheated will have the temptation to throw their affair partner under the bus and Mm -hmm. be like, they were uh, whatever, they were a manipulator. They were crazy. They tricked me Mm -hmm. and they do that in an effort to make their spouse feel better. Mm -hmm. But in some ways, what will ultimately keep their spouse safer in the long run is the person who cheated saying, yeah, I, I'm not a victim here. I made choices. You know, I, I, Allowed myself to get tangled up in something. And so, uh, you know, I can't, as much as I would like to pin this all on my affair partner, you know, I was a participant. I take responsibility like that ultimately, even though it might feel really tempting to just throw the affair partner under the bus, then it might feel tempting for the person who's been cheated on yeah. to be like, let's just the two of us tear the affair partner mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, What's going to keep this marriage safer in the long term is the person who cheated being able to take deep accountability for mm-hmm. their ability to be duplicitous. That is not not a wonderful thing to mm-hmm. have shown to us that we are able to be duplicitous, that we are able to mm-hmm. say one thing and do another. We are able to look somebody we love in the eyes and be deceitful. That is mm-hmm. a, a really difficult reckoning to have, yeah. um, and. And that's how we grow is by, okay, if I'm capable of that, then what are the practices that I'm going to commit to for the rest of my life that help me stay in my integrity and help me protect the people that uh, matter to me?
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's beautifully said. And, and I know we talked earlier about just the ways we are as people with our Enneagram types. It's helpful to know because some of us are more sensory seeking and some of us need sensory Mm -hmm. integration and we need to work on how do we handle with tolerance what's coming at us. And, and some of this we do with things or people or addictions that aren't helpful. And so when you get to this place in your marriage, it's really like saying, I'm going to do my own personal work so that we have a chance and we have a shot. And Dr. Solomon and I are not even saying somebody has to give their partner this shot. But if you're out there and you're listening and you want to give it a shot, um, what do you think couples can do after they've kind of walked through some of these parts? You talked about meaning making. Um, You're talking about making sure that they mess up. What other practices do you recommend for couples walking through an affair?
1: Yeah. Um so sometimes you know sometimes there can be a grief around um if, if we're saying that this initial phase sometimes has these high highs and low lows, yeah. sometimes what happens next can be this period of like flatness or numbness, right? Because yeah. we've clarified, we've made agreements, we've talked it through. And like, now what? There can be this like flatness kind of after the, after the big storm. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that it is, that becomes a time um, for like building up um, positive experiences of each other and having ways having ways um, to deal with the person who's been betrayed, um, ha- deal with their triggers as a couple. Because mm-hmm. sometimes what will happen is a, um, the person who's been cheated on will be okay for a while and then something will happen. It will be, sometimes it's an anniversary of something. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's we're in a location that reminds me like there there can be these, as is the case oftentimes with any trauma, there are these triggers. Mm-hmm. And so the person who's been cheated on, what, what I try to help couples do is deal with those moments of trigger together, which can feel paradoxical. The person who's been cheated on will say, you really want me to turn to the person who hurt me mm-hmm. with my trigger, um, which feels paradoxical. But I do in part because I want the person who cheated to have that ability to, um, hold something that is in part theirs, right. The trigger is happening because of something that the person who cheated did. Mm -hmm. Um, and it also then gives the person who's been cheated on the chance to experience the one who cheated as empathic, attuned, open, Mm -hmm. comforting, right. So it gives, it gives. The person who's been cheated on an opportunity to experience their spouse as gentle, present, comforting, loving. Mm. Um, So we work on the person who's been cheated on saying, I'm having a really hard time today. I had this memory, or I heard this song and it reminded me. And Mm -hmm. then the person who cheated being able to say, I'm so sorry that happened. Um, Mm -hmm. What does help look like? What does support look like? I've got four ideas we could go for a walk. I yeah. could hold you. I could make you some tea. I could get the hell out of here for a while. You yeah. know, what yeah. would, what would help? What would support look like mm-hmm. right now? And that's a really, really important practice because sometimes a person has been cheated on feels like they have to just carry this all on their own mm-hmm. and, or they'll, they'll do to themselves. What perhaps they've been doing to themselves their whole lives, which is saying it shouldn't hurt this badly. I should be over it. Why am I having such a hard time? So they will sort of silence themselves. Mm. I really want the one who's been cheated on to bring the trigger to their partner. And I really want the partner to be able to say, oh, shit, I'm so sorry you're yes. triggered. I'm here with you. I want to support you in it. Let's go. Let's figure mm. out how I can care for you right now.
0: Mm. Beautiful. And I love how on your podcast, you added that this is a very brave soul who's willing to do this work, the person who's been cheated on versus that victimized stance of, like you said, this inner self critic, especially Enneagram ones out there who are perfectionistic or any of the perfectionistic types. And and to be able to just empower them to say, This is your moment to be brave (laughs) and to hold the floor a little and say, Yeah, give me four
1: options.
0: (laughs) Right. That's right.
1: (laughs) I don't know what I want. I would like to. To hear what's available today. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And not only that, but like when you bring women into this context with the four mm-hmm. different weeks of the month, which we've been so blessed to be learning about over the last few years, more and more, um, it's fun to that health and fitness circles are getting into this conversation too with us to say, you might see different reactions in different parts of the month. And, and that's very normal and that's okay. And of course men too, but it's nice for you to just kind of even say the word stages is appropriate because the stages are in flux and offering these different ways of responding are so important. Plus I think it's a little counterintuitive for some types who are a bit more matter of fact. Some of the body types are a bit more matter of fact 8s 9s 1s, hey, let's go. Um we did this, we already said sorry, we're moving on and just for <laughs> you to be able to say, you know, this is a process and
1: and it takes a while sometimes, right? Yes. Well, that is if I could whisper in the ear of anybody who has cheated i would want them i would just say like don't just just resist the urge to say it's been 6 months it's been a year how much longer because it is if nothing else it is highly ineffective. The more you say you should be over this by now, the Mm -hmm. more your partner is not going to be over it by now. Mm -hmm. So it is, that is one of those that is, is wildly unhelpful. Mm Just, I mean, to any, it's, it's wildly Mm -hmm. unhelpful to anybody who is grieving anything ever (laughs) to say you should be (laughs) over it. Why is that? You know, last week we heard the song, it didn't set you off. Why is it setting you Mm -hmm. off today? it is just not helpful it's just not helpful it's more helpful to just say ah you're set off you're having a hard time okay you know mm-hmm. resist the urge to argue with what is um knowing that i mean the research shows loud and clear the 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 couples who are able to recover and rebuild are the ones where the person who cheated stays open present attuned connected so defensiveness you know, questioning, saying things like you're overreacting or you're too sensitive. It's just, it's just unhelpful and ineffective.
0: Yes. Oh, wow. Thank you. Because I think that's really standing out as something I'm going to be sharing on my Instagram too. It's something I want everyone to listen to, because I do think that it brings out a lot of shame for people and it's implicit in what you're saying. You have to be doing your own work of self-soothing as well during this process, Mm -hmm. when your spouse is reminding you of something you don't want to revisit. So you have your defense mechanisms up, whatever they are. And it could be that you're the one of the positive engagement types. So you're like, let's just keep it positive or like I said, forging ahead, whatever the case may be, it's nice for us to be reminded today. It is essential work, even if it's coming years down the road, because uh, in this way, the narrative didn't get wrapped up perfectly, peacefully. Things rarely are perfect. Mm. So to to be able to honor and say, wow, I'm surprised in my
1: head here. I can even say that out loud. I'm surprised it's a trigger for you, but that's right. Yeah. And I think that if it is, I mean, I love the idea of the person who cheated being able to stay positive, right? Because that, that is a really comforting message to say, I believe in us. I believe we can get through this. Look where we are now versus six months ago. There's that tipping point from optimism or positivity that then tips over into an inability to tolerate sadness, you know, grief. So, yeah, just kind of being able to toggle between, like, I think it probably is helpful for the person who's cheated to be able to say, I believe in us. I'm mm. proud of you. You're really brave. I think we can do this. If anyone can do this, we can do it. I think those are really helpful messages as long as they don't become, uh-oh, uh-uh, no, we're being positive. And if we're being positive, that means that we don't get triggered anymore and we're just forging ahead. Yeah.
0: Um, And what about, and I I think we're hoping others will be doing outside work besides this podcast. And and we're going to invite you to that later, but we also, I think have this question coming through um, during these processes and conversations about the person who has been cheated on saying, I have been wounded by this person that you're with. What boundaries are you going to set with that person? And I think that we're aware that the implicit process here is typically that person's out of our lives. So we're moving on without that person. Is that what you usually walk couples through?
1: Well, certainly that is, I mean, that's, that's the ideal, that's the ideal world. If I have my, if I have my way, it just (laughs) tends to be, um, because again, if we're saying the first and foremost, Um, goal or foundation is that sense of stability. And I think it is easier to feel stability when, um, when that, the affair partner isn't really in the realm anymore. And I know that can be difficult if the affair partner is a colleague, it's not not a job. Yeah. It's not a job that somebody can leave right away. Um, Mm -hmm. Certainly if it's somebody, you know, who's a friend, I mean, that there's, you know, there are times where it just is so, so, so tender and so difficult. Um, But, you know, one time, something that couples will sometimes do is, um, well, sometimes couples will send a letter, they will write a letter together and send that to the affair partner really kind of like Mm reestablishing the relationship, the marriage as the primary focus and kind of clarifying Mm -hmm. where the boundary is going to be going forward Um, that is not, that is certainly not, none of these things are one size fits all, but that sometimes is a ritual or a practice that can be helpful. Sometimes again, not one size fits all. Sometimes the person Mm -hmm. who's cheated will say, I, here's my passwords. You are welcome to look at my phone or my laptop, um, whenever you want. Mm -hmm. Um, it goes best that way. It goes best if Mm -hmm. the person who cheated offers that rather than the one who's been cheated on saying, I want your passwords. Um, I think in some ways that can like um, Mm -hmm. fuel hypervigilance, you know, the person who's been cheated on, the person who has cheated then feels like, oh, you know, she's controlling me. So I want the person who's cheated to kind of get in the driver's seat and say, okay, if my compass North is, I want you to trust me, Mm -hmm. then here's one thing I can do Mm -hmm. to, to move us in that direction, have my passwords. You're welcome to look whenever you want. And it tends to be the case that perhaps the person who's been cheated on will look, you know, in the beginning, but at some point that's what trust is, right? I don't, you know, I looked, there was nothing. I looked, there was nothing. The more I have that experience, the less I really need to keep looking because, because, um, because that's what trust is. I can just have there be some space and know that you are managing yourself. You don't need me to manage you. You don't need my mm-hmm. vigilance in order for you to be the person that you want to be and to be the person you said that you are. You know.
0: Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. And I love how it, when spouses hear this, what you're doing is future damage control, there's less likelihood your spouse is going to need psychotropics. It doesn't mean they won't. Often people <laughs> do need that as part of a bridge to the next step. And, sure. and, and sometimes even long-term that's okay. But, sure. but basically you're helping their brain to stay as healthily wired as possible when you give them the opportunity to say, okay, I see you forging ahead facing North for us. Looks like you're going to take the lead on a lot of this so that I don't have to ask these embarrassing things shame inducing questions about how can I make sure that I can trust you again? So it's a lot of bravery for the spouse who's cheated as well as we talk this out, right? Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. And there is, there's this like balance of um, the marriage is safe because my spouse keeps an eye on me, Mm -hmm. but really the marriage is safe because I want to be the kind of person who conveys that I am trustworthy, right? That ultimately is this is the way I want to feel within my skin. This is, this is how I want to be able to look at myself in the mirror. I want to be able to experience myself as somebody whose words and actions align. Like that's the, that's oh, the deeper that's layer. It's not that I, it's not that I stay. It's not that I, I, um, practice, you know, it's not that I stay within the bounds of this marriage because I don't want to get busted. I stay within the bounds of this marriage because it's who I want to be. it's how I want to show up. It's what makes me be able to feel proud Mm. of myself.
0: Oh, wow. That's beautiful. That integrity that we have with ourselves when we're feeling like I'm honoring the commitments in my life that I've made that I chose to make in this marriage. It feels really good. And, and I think as much as we've both been doing this work for a while, it's beautiful to see people walk in that newfound confidence. uh, And it's neat to see that they're like, wow, I I didn't know I would have fallen so far, but now often we have this resurrected marriage that's healthier. And now we have a story that is deeper and richer and we're warriors now. And there's so much that can come out beautifully on the other side. I think that a lot of couples just need to hear like when they're in the dregs of despair and they're just doing that negative storytelling is, If you decide to do this work together, there there's going to be a beautiful result, but it's going to take time and stages. And even these triggers can come up at any time. So giving each other a lot of grace is so important. And I know I could ask you a million more questions, but I really want to direct couples to finding you themselves because you have such a wealth of knowledge around this topic and even A lot of the integration of Gottman and Dr. Fishbane and Sue Johnson's work in Emotionally Focused Couples Therapy, you have an integrative practice and you're sharing it on your podcast and in your courses. So can you tell us a little bit about how everyone can get in touch with you?
1: hmm Yes. The, um, the website is a great place to start. It's just dralexandrasolomon.com. Mm-hmm. And as you said, um, there's, there are links to um, the podcast, which has been so fun. We've been at it since um, yeah, we're, you know, 20 something episodes in. It's just been mm-hmm. this really, really cool, fascinating, creative um, new world and, and articles and my, so I'm active on social media, especially Instagram. And then I think especially You know, kind of extending from this topic. I have I have two books, Loving Bravely and Taking Sexy Back. But for this Mm -hmm. for this topic. A few months ago, we launched an e-course and it's a, it's a mini e-course, it's self-guided. Um, it is for individuals or couples who are considering rebuilding post-betrayal or who are rebuilding post-betrayal. And it's called, Can I Trust You Again? Mm-hmm. And, um, and the links to that e-course are also on the website and I'm happy to answer people's, you know, questions or concerns with that. But that was a resource that I felt really Um, eager and committed to getting out there. And so it's video content and um, some worksheets and additional readings that people can do as they are um, on this journey.
0: Mm, Thank you. Thank you. People love this online learning forum. It's opened the doors for healing for people who might never have come to a therapist or coach's door. I love that you're podcasting Mm -hmm. now. I love that you have a video course. Thank you so much. I'm leaving everything in the show notes too, but this has been a beautiful time of getting to walk through this with you. So thank you so much, Dr. Alexandra for joining us today.
1: It was a treat to be with you, Krista. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this special episode with us. What a deep dive into affairs and recovery. I am so grateful that you are doing your work. The fact that you are still listening at this part of the podcast, just, I want you to give yourself a butterfly hug with both arms. I want you to take a deep breath. I want you to just understand that you're doing beautiful work, that the ways that you are working with the vulnerability cycle, the ways that you are working with the pursuer distance or dance in your marriage, the ways that you're trying to build love maps, as John Gottman talks about, about to get to know one another's day, to protect one another's hours, and yet to have the freedoms to make your own decisions. That's huge. And that's what real love is. You're not trying to control, you're trying to create together and you're trying to not just communicate, but you're also trying to connect. So I'm really glad you're doing this work. I'm doing this work with you. I know it's scary and that's why I want you to keep tuning in here. That's why I want you to make sure you visit Dr. Alexandra Solomon's Instagram and her website and her resources as you need them. So we are here for you guys. You know, we also have Enneagram and Marriage Coaches and I have a therapist team. So we are just resourcing for you guys. We know you have needs. We are here for you. We love you guys. We will talk to you Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.